welcome to the Kook Center Podcast, and here's your host... I was made to understand there were grilled cheese sandwiches here. Michael Preston. If you're lost, you can look and you will find me. Time after time. Welcome into the Kook Center Podcast. I am Michael Preston, your faithful host of this adventure in audio engineering and listening and ear pleasure. I, I just started talking, and you got to make me stop sometimes because that got a little awkward now, didn't it? Uh, Mike Lusheen from NFLRoughDraft.com uh, is coming up here in just a few minutes. We're going to talk NFL Draft and where Travis Long, Jeff Toole, and, yes, Marquise Wilson will be going uh, in uh, the NFL Draft. Uh, NFLRoughDraft.com, by the way. I love the name of that site because it reminds me of stuff I would do in ninth grade Eng- English, right? I hated rough drafts. I, I just – I. I whatever I don't know why I always did terribly on those and I did well on the final drafts go figure anyway uh hey so last weekend your uh WSU spring game at Joe Alby Stadium in Spokane Washington oh right Spokane but that's not how it's spelled <laughs> it's, it's funny to trip people up who don't know that anyway now I'm just talking randomly. Uh, I wasn't able to see the game because nobody in Southern California carries the Pac-12 network, uh, except for Time Warner Cable, and they gouge your wallet and do mean, nasty things to it so we don't talk to them. Um, but I, I, I've preached this before to a lot of people, and I, I think it bears repeating. What can you really tell from a spring game, and that is not too terribly much? Even when Paul Wolf was the head coach... You saw flashes of brilliance in guys. You saw guys, you know, who looked great in the spring game. But you also have to keep in mind the competition. You're playing against yourself. You're not out there scrimmaging the U. You're not. Out, you're not even out there scrimmaging Idaho or Idaho State. You know, whoever. You're playing against yourself. So always try to keep that in mind. I, I can't remember who said it. I think it was. Uh, Sandritter said it on the thread for the spring game. We either had the best defensive line in the Pac-12 or the worst offensive line. Was the offensive line playing well? No, not really. They were actually playing quite terribly from what I understand. However, like, like I keep saying, don't read too, too much into what's going on. With all that being said, <laughs> we're going to read a little bit into something that was going on. Everybody wants to talk about the quarterbacks. I am no exception to that rule. I want to talk about the quarterbacks. Connor Halliday throws a couple of picks. Austin Apodaca looks good, I would say. Is a, probably, a, you know, good being not great, not fantastic, but not bad. Just, you know, kind of good. Not too bad for a redshirt freshman quarterback. Connor Halliday at times shows his brilliance. The dude can zip a football a million miles an hour very windy day in Spokane, too. That probably didn't help things. The guy can, you know, zip a football a million miles an hour. I saw Rancourt on Twitter talking about, God, even off his back foot, the guy throws an absolute bullet. And always remember, that's what has Mike Leach so in love with him. The guy can just... It puts heat on the ball. But he makes some of those same bad decisions at times. Throwing into coverage. Locking on to receivers. What I like to call Alex Brink syndrome. Locking on to receivers, looking them down, staring them down. Austin Apodaca, just a, you know, a good, solid performance. Does it create a quarterback controversy? Not controversy, maybe a quarterback battle going into the fall? Probably not still. I mean, as much as we want to kind of create that, 
in our minds, I would say Mike Leach is probably going to put a lot of thought into this because you consider something that Brian Anderson talked about a couple of weeks ago. This year is pretty much it for Austin Apodaca. If he doesn't get the starting job this year, he's not going to get it next year because Halliday's going to be a red shirt or he'll be a senior. And then you'll have Tyler Brugman coming off his red shirt next year. So he'll be a red shirt freshman. And then the season after that, Apodaca will be a red shirt junior, but Brugman will be a red shirt sophomore. And by then, Brugman, who you kind of view as the more prototypical, I guess maybe prototypical for this system quarterback, he'll be probably ready to go. Apodaca might get a shot. But you bring you brought Brugman in because you want him to start as long as possible. So, is there going to be a quarterback battle? Maybe a little. I'm sure Apodaca will be pushing Halliday. Will be making sure he's he, that Connor knows he's nipping at his heels. I I want your job. I want your job. I'm going to work my butt off to get it. That type of thing. But. I still think it's Connor Halliday's job to lose. I think some folks who read into it as, no, there's going to be a battle. We don't know who's going to step out on the field. No. It's Halliday's job to lose. And I, I know folks aren't happy with his completion percentage, his accuracy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Things that need fixing. His offensive line probably still not going to be doing him any favors because he's not a running quarterback. He's not going to scramble a lot. Not like Tool who can move. Um, You know, so... I, I don't think there's as much of a controversy at that position as some may think there is. Whoever's going to be the quarterback, we know they've got a lot of really good receivers to throw to. Lots of really good receivers. One of the best cores in the Pac-12 easily. And the best is probably just Marquise Lee and whoever else plays for USC. <laughs> but... They're going to have great guys to throw to, guys who know what they're doing, little cases of the dropsies on Saturday, something to maybe be worried about, but they can iron that out in the summer when they're just throwing the football around a little bit. I don't think there's as much of a quarterback controversy or competition as some might like to either think there is or just do think there is. It's obviously Halliday's job to lose. I... He probably is the better quarterback at this point. We haven't seen Apodaca in any game action outside of what you saw on Saturday. I mean, that was it. And that's not even really a game. So, take everything that happened on Saturday with a grain of salt. A huge grain of salt. Because keep in mind the competition. I mean, Jesse Brown played for both teams. How can you trust he's even competing? I mean, come on, right? Oh, I know, it's a little crappy humor. I don't think there's as much of a controversy at that position as some, as I said, some might like to think or do think. Halliday definitely needs to be a much better quarterback next year than he was this last year. There's no doubting that. If you get Connor Halliday this year, if you get last year's Connor Halliday this coming season, it's going to be a long year. And the hook will come for him and Apodaca will be in. But here's hoping those spring reps helped a little bit. And then the summer reps and the fall reps will help him out a little bit as well. But I still think it's his job to lose. And I have no doubt we'll still be talking about this all summer and definitely in fall camp in August again. 
We got a great interview coming up. Mike Lusheen, NFLRoughDraft.com is up next. We're going to go over the draft chances for all the seniors, or at least the three notable ones, not seniors necessarily for one of them, but all the three guys notable in the NFL Draft for WSU uh, coming up this week in the NFL Draft. Stick around right here on the CoopCenter.com podcast. Center podcast. So the NFL draft is going to get underway on April the 25th. Yes, the NFL draft now needs three days, apparently, instead of just two or one like it used to be. But either way, creates for more primetime coverage. I do love that. And a guy who uh, knows a little bit about the NFL draft, Mike Lusheen from NFLRoughDraft.com. You guys do a great job over there. Always very accurate. Mike's calling me from all the way across the country. This is how great the Kook Center podcast is. We are continent-wide here on kookcenter.com. Mike, how are you doing? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me, Michael, and thanks for the kind words. Too. Oh, well, hey, you know, I, I love Connecticut. That's all I can say. Um, so <laughs> just talking more generally about the NFL draft here, um, it seems to me just kind of personally in terms of, you know, it's kind of an excitement level. It doesn't seem like this draft kind of has the sparkle or the you know excitement that say drafts of years past especially last year you had Andrew Luck RG3 in there so that was kind of a different story but it, it just doesn't seem like this draft kind of has the same oofta to it so to speak in terms of really a lot of excitement surrounding it is it just because they're just not a great crop of really elite players in this draft you know that's exactly it there isn't an elite player in this draft or a number of elite players like last year when you had Luck and RG3. But the one thing I will say with this draft is it's a lot deeper than the average draft. Instead of having, you know, seven rounds of draftable players, I'd argue you probably have about nine. And the fourth round this year, you're going to be getting you're going to be getting third round quality prospects. And so I mean, it's not what a lot of the fans want to see. You're not going to get that star power in the top three of the draft, the top three overall. Mm -hmm. But the first 150 picks or so uh, have a lot of talent. So I think overall it's a very deep draft. Okay, so basically it's what we're talking about is here, guys that are going to be basically kind of become famous later on, not famous right now obviously because like you said, there's not too many third, fourth round picks that really have that star power pop to them. But these guys will be valuable to their team later on. The fans maybe just don't know it yet. Absolutely. I think what you're looking at is a bunch of guys in those middle rounds developing into starters. So maybe, okay, you're not going to see them all over SportsCenter, but they're going to be quality starters in the NFL. And mm-hmm. I mean, I, I don't know. I think that's kind of exciting. Yeah. Well, that, I guess that is kind of the point of being in the NFL draft is you want these guys to start for a long time. Um this right. is This is kind of a situation WSU's been in for a few years now, have not been very good over the past half decade, a little more than that. Um, How much does playing for a bad team affect a really good player on that team? Can it affect them in terms of, you know, their draft stock just goes down because the coaches just don't see as much of them, or maybe they just don't think as much of them because they were playing on a really bad team and basically getting their butt kicked every week. You know, 
believe it or not, I don't think it affects their draft stock at all. I think in the eyes of some fans, maybe it does. Okay. Um, for comparison, you have Marquise Wilson, the mm-hmm. wide receiver, who, you know, he had his issues, he quit the team, and now no one really knows if he's going to go in the fifth round or not. maybe not get drafted at all. But there hasn't really been a lot of buzz around him for whatever reason. Mm-hmm. On the other hand, you have Tyron Matthew, the, the corner from LSU, who had his own separate issues that were different. But since he played for the bigger team, you know, the fans seem to know about him. They want to know where he's going to go in the draft. They get a lot of questions about him. So the fans are more aware of the guys from the bigger schools. But I think the scouts and, and the NFL guys, they, they, they see each one of these prospects for exactly what they are. Mm-hmm. And so I don't think there's really a, a big disadvantage to playing for a school that maybe has had some hard luck for the past. Okay. Few years or so. Okay. Yeah. Well, I think everybody's kind of excited to see where the honey badger ends up, but we'll touch on uh, Wilson here in a little bit. I, I do want to start uh, with the uh, quarterback uh, Jeff Tool um, foregoing even a NCA decision on another year of eligibility. We've covered that before. Probably the right decision on his part. He didn't even know if he was going to start this year at WSU. So a good decision for him. You guys have him rated as the 13th best quarterback uh, in the draft here. Uh, he had injury issues. Um, all through school, he had a, you know collarbone issues. He's had uh, leg issues. I mean, the guy has just been a walking injury, unfortunately, probably because he was playing behind a pretty porous offensive line. Uh, what do injury issues do uh, for NFL scouts? How much do they worry about injury problems in school? Or is it another thing, like you said, kind of with uh, you know the players who play on a bad team where they can kind of see past it, see the potential there, and kind of know that you know maybe he played behind a bad offensive line. That's why the guy spent so much time on his back for four years. Well, you know, I think it depends on, on the injuries. You see a guy like Marcus Lattimore, and he's got two major knee injuries. That's a concern. Mm-hmm. But a guy like Jeff Tool, Tool's had a, a bunch of kind of random injuries. I mean, a broken clavicle. I don't think that's something that NFL scouts are really going to worry too much about. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it, it certainly is a concern that he's been hurt for the better part of the past two seasons. I mean, he missed, if I'm not mistaken, he missed just about the entirety of the 2011 season. Uh, yeah, he did. Um, he, he got injured in the, I believe it was the first game, and then came back for about a game and a half and then was out the rest of the year. Right, right. Mm-hmm. And, you know, he's an interesting prospect, though, because he's got he's got a good enough arm, and he's got the prototypical size and athleticism, really, of a pro quarterback. Mm-hmm. So I think this is a guy who's, a late draftable guy. He might get drafted sixth or seventh round. Mm-hmm. If not, he'll definitely make it to camp with a team. Okay. And see, I like quarterbacks like this because you can bring a guy in like that, very low risk, and you have four years to, to develop him as maybe your number three quarterback, mm-hmm. see if he develops into something. Mm-hmm. So I think he's, he's definitely worth the risk where he's going to go, which is late in the draft or as a priority free agent. Well, we always like hearing that about a guy. I think, you know, kind of speaking for everybody, it was kind of ni- it'll be nice to see a guy like that who put in that much hard work get rewarded. We're talking to Mike Lusheen, NFLRoughDraft.com. Uh, I want to move on to Travis Long. Uh, he tore his ACL second to last game of his senior season, and the Apple Cup was the first game he missed in his entire college career. Um, unfortunately, it wasn't for something 
you know, a little more minor, say like a, a broken arm where you can recover after a few weeks. Uh, this ACL injury is obviously affects his ability uh, to scout for teams, to run in a pro day. He can't do it. He's hurt. What does that do to his draft stock? I mean, I think a lot of us were really worried about it. You know, this guy who put his heart and soul into a football team for four years. Goodness me, he's torn his ACL. He can't do anything ahead of the draft. What does that do to Travis Long? Right, and, and see, I think that that's a much more serious concern for NFL scouts. Mm-hmm. The ACL injury was, was rough. I know he didn't miss a lot of games before. I don't think he missed any games. Like no, he, he didn't. Said. He played in every game a, of his career, yeah. yeah. He did have uh, surgery, though, right, after mm-hmm. the previous offseason? I believe so, I yes. Later, he did, yeah. yeah, so with, with Travis Long, I think the big problem is he wasn't able to come back and work out at his pro day. And, you know, at this point, that means the NFL scouts and general managers are basically going to have to guess whether or not he's recovered, whether or not he's going to recover, because an ACL injury is a major thing. You mm-hmm. know, I, Travis Long, even without the injury, is a good football player, but I'm not really sure where he fits in the NFL, mm-hmm. you know, I think he's probably best suited to be a situational pass rusher just because I don't think he's big enough to play every down. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I'm not sure he could drop it to coverage as, as a linebacker in a 3-4. So I know he played a little bit of linebacker at Washington State. Yeah, but he played Buck his senior year. Yeah. And... What's that? I'm sorry, he played, he played Buck his senior year. He was the Buck linebacker his senior year. Right, right. But mm-hmm. I think his responsibilities in the NFL would be a little bit different. I think it would require a little bit more athleticism okay. on his part. So, I, you know, I, I'd say late draftable for him, too. He's definitely mm-hmm. going to get invited to a camp. But at this point, if I had to guess, I would say he's probably not going to get drafted because of the injury, first off. And then second off, just... He, he doesn't really have a prototypical position. He's, yeah, he's kind, he's kind of in between what you would want in an outside linebacker. And he's not quite an outside linebacker, but he's not quite a defensive end either. So like you said, he just kind of doesn't really fit at either position. So where do you put a guy like that? So kind of tough to find a home for him. Uh, for what it's worth, you guys, you guys do have him as the 27th best uh, outside linebacker in the draft. Um, so we'll see what happens with him. But like you said, probably a free agent uh, after all said and done. Right. Yes. Okay. Yep. Sure. All right. So uh, let's go to the last one here, and uh, this this to me is the most interesting case uh, of everybody at WSU uh, who could be drafted this year. Of course, um, Mr. Uh, Marquise Wilson, uh, rated by you guys as the twenty um, first uh, best wide receiver in this year's draft class. Um, not sure if he would have left school after this season if things hadn't happened in November the way they did. Uh, anyway, uh, but he probably would have. Um, we were talking a little bit before we, we started here about him and his situation and that this is very, very, very unique. Is it safe to say we probably haven't seen a situation like this in a long time where a player just burns a coaching staff really badly and then it turns out he was probably lying through his teeth? Well, his situation is definitely unique. But it's, it's similar to Mike Williams, who plays for the Buccaneers mm-hmm. now from a few years ago. He quit the team when he played for Syracuse. And, again, he was a first-round quality prospect. 
sort of like Marquise Wilson was coming into this year. Yeah. Um, and then, so he quits the team, and everybody's got these concerns. You know, if he quits his college team, how's he going to react when he gets to the pros? What's he, what's he going to do, you know, when he has to go through uh, these training camps in, in the NFL if mm-hmm. he can't handle college? But, see, I like Marquise Wilson a lot. Because he does, he, it's, his, he made some poor choices quitting the team. He shouldn't have done that. Yeah. But it's not like he's got a drug problem. It's not like he has some, a medical red yeah. flag. He's not out there stealing cars had, and robbing a bank, yeah. Right, absolutely. And this is a guy that you're probably going to be able to get in the fourth or fifth round. Mm-hmm. And he could, he could develop into an NFL starter. I think he's a great fit with a team like the Cleveland Browns. North Turner loves these big receivers that he could just throw the ball up to or have his quarterback throw the ball up to, and, and they could come, come down and get it. Marquise Wilson fits right into that, mm-hmm. and he's probably a late first or second-round value that you're getting in the middle of the third day of the draft. I, I really like him. He's going to get pushed down, though, because of obviously the concern with where he quit mm-hmm. the team. People are going to question whether or not He's got immaturity issues. Yeah. Actually, I don't even know if they're going to question that. He, yeah. It seems like he does have immaturity issues. Yeah. And there's also a very strong crop of receivers in this year's draft. Mm-hmm. So he's he's a great value where he's going to get picked. Yeah. So I really like Marquise. I want to ask one question kind of related to that. Do you think fans put a lot more stock in kind of that quote-unquote immaturity level than, say, an NFL GM or scout or coach might put into it. Do you think, you know, maybe the fans over, well, he's so immature. He'll never get drafted. He'll never get drafted. That guy, Do you think they, we kind of put a little bit too much into it. Whereas NFL coaches, GMs kind of go, you know what? Yeah. Okay. He's a little immature, but look at the talent and look what I can possibly do with this. Yeah, you know, I think you're absolutely right. I think fans put more into it than, the coaches and, and the scouts and the GMs, because if you look at what happened with Mike Williams, a lot of the fans were saying the same thing. This guy's got first-round talent, but he's probably not going to get drafted, or I wouldn't draft him. He quit the team. The Buccaneers took a chance on him in the, in the third round. It was the end of the third round, but you're still talking about a top 100 pick, and it worked out great for them. Mm-hmm. I think they look at it and they say, well, yeah, this guy quit his team in college, but if he quits our team in the NFL – and he's going to have to go use his, you know, college degree. Or in Marquise Wilson's case, he's going to have to go back there and, you know, get a regular job like the rest of us. Yeah. And, you know, it worked out for the Buccaneers. I think the same could easily happen with Marquise Wilson and whatever team decides to take a chance on him. Perfect. Mike Lusheen, NFLRoughDraft.com. And, and the reason why I'm now a big fan of the site I believe in their latest mo- they did it by the way they do a full 7 round mock draft on there. It was just posted I believe a couple days ago. They have Jeff Tool going to the Seattle Seahawks, something I will never ever object to and I would welcome him with open arms to my favorite team. I I I'm, I await the day Pete Carroll can get his hands on him. So hopefully that hey, rings true. We'll find out on Saturday. Oh yeah, fingers crossed. Mike, thank you so much for your time today. I appreciate it. Hey, thanks for having me. All right, we'll wrap up kookcenter.com podcast. Coming up next, stick around.
Center Podcast. It is time, as always, in this space every week for our Dunderhead of the Week. Freaking idiot. And this goes out to uh, someone who was previously pretty squeaky clean, except for their love life in the tabloids, Ms. Reese Witherspoon. Her husband got arrested for uh, alleged DUI in Atlanta over the weekend. And if you haven't heard about this, uh, he was arrested, booked. Uh, but Miss Witherspoon had a problem with that. Reese, my little country bumpkin, had an issue with her husband getting arrested. Uh... Variety had the report first. They obtained the police report. In the report, says, quote, Miss Witherspoon began to hang out the window and say that she did not believe I was a real police officer. This is, of course, the officer giving the report. I told Miss Witherspoon to sit on her butt and be quiet. <laughs> sit on your butt, Miss Witherspoon. Be quiet. Report continues with, Miss Witherspoon asks, Do you know my name? Oh. Of course she pulls the Do You Know Who I Am card. She says, quote, you're about to find out who I am. You're going to be on the national news. I advise Miss Witherspoon that was fine. <laughs> Do you think it matters to a single police officer in America? Yeah, maybe to some of them who are a little more. They'll take some 500 bucks under the table to let your husband go on the DUI, Miss Witherspoon. But <laughs> you're going to be. My favorite response is the, you're going to be on the national news. I advise Miss Witherspoon that was fine. <laughs> I don't. The officer's name is not in the report. I, it's on. It's on the report if you want to get it. It's obviously a public record, but uh, it's not in the Variety article. So you'll have to do a little more work if you want to find out who this guy is. Witherspoon fans to uh, send him some hate mail or something. Don't do that though. Uh, for what it's worth, her husband was trying to calm her down. Uh, allegedly recorded a .139 blood alcohol level. Uh, been charged with driving while intoxicated. Both released on their own recognizance. Do you know who I am? Of course she did. That's it for this week's edition of the Coog Center Podcast. Ask Michael anything. We'll be back in two weeks. We will see you then. Have yourself a really good fortnight.